You can hear the words of God Almighty coming down through the pages of history and saying, I've brought you full circle. Words that he stated through the mighty apostolic leader Moses in Deuteronomy 30, 19. I have set before you life and death. Choose life. That is the challenge of the ecclesia as we now are facing the most defining moment in my lifetime, a tipping point moment to be sure. Defining moments are always decided by who defines the moment. And there can be no doubt that our king is expecting us to define this moment. He expects a church as he defines church to define this moment, and he is the only one that can give that church definition, the only one that has the right to define our mission and our purpose. Far too many have forgotten that, that, that purpose and have allowed distortion and confusion. But in this strategic time, we cannot allow hell to define us. Here's what you can do. We cannot allow government to define us. We'll set your perimeters. We cannot allow society or culture to define us, saying, just stay out of it. We cannot allow humanist temples, which is my definition for most colleges and universities today, to define us. Only our king has the right to define us, and he clearly defined us in Matthew 16, 18, and 19, saying, I will build my church. The word church is the word ecclesia. It is used 113 times in the New Testament, meaning a ruling and reigning body. A governing body that from spirit realms influences the natural realms. The ecclesia was also in Christ's day a voting body. It decided the laws and the codes of conduct for a region or for a nation. Also, it also decided who would set at the Areopagos, which was the supreme court in Christ's day. Yes, we are to be involved in that decision. I will build my church. Here's the original definition from the Greek text as close as I can get it to what Jesus literally said in his definition in Matthew 16, 18. It's on the overhead for you. Here's what the king says. Here's how we're defined. Whatever you at any time encounter of hell's counsel that I am determined my ecclesia will prevail against, you will then face a decision as to whether you will forbid it or permit it. What transpires is conditional to your response. If you do consciously and with purpose involve yourself in permitting or forbidding it, you will find at that future moment when you do I have, uh, that you can have what heaven's already decided on and, as you just heard. And I will give you the Chamberlain anointing of Isaiah 22, 22. Keys to open any doors you need to open or close any doors you need to close. In my name you will be provided the master key of the kingdom.
Becca's not the only one that said it. King Jesus said it. Clearly, his ecclesia is to, is to be filled with warriors. It's not to be filled with feckless, passive, bullied, intimidated wimps. And in defining moments, they must display the nature of a warrior. Warriors don't negotiate. They take authority. We did not come here to negotiate at the table of our enemy. We came to take authority. I heard Holy Spirit say two Fridays ago now these words. I will empower my holy convocation with power from heaven and have commissioned government, governing angels to be present and assist. I have commissioned angels of awakening, revelation, enlightenment, communication, and warfare to assist. Also, the king himself has commissioned a host of his breakthrough angels to assist the mighty ones who carry the breaker anointing to break up, break out, and break through will be activated to assist the decrees of the present ecclesia and the insufficient power of hell's kingdom to stop them will be clearly evident as I pour out my power to prevail. For I have in, you have entered into a fullness of time and prophetic words are intersecting their moment. Prophetic dreams are perfecting, uh, intersecting their moment. Visions are. And I will lead the synergy of movements, anointings, and alignments. History will shift and align with heaven. And the forever loser will be dethroned from territorial thrones, national thrones, and cultural thrones as the king's ecclesia arises to take its seat around the world. After, after hearing that from the Holy Spirit, I then begin to ponder a very powerful weapon the ecclesia has to obtain supernatural victories. I want to activate that and do it. A few years ago, I heard the Lord say to me, I want you to study the baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in other tongues. I was a bit surprised by that because I was raised in Pentecostal churches and I already knew all of that. I didn't say that to the Lord because I didn't want him to know. But he said, it's an assignment, study it and do a deep dive. And so I began a deep dive into the scriptures that took me weeks to teach here. And I begin to see very clearly that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues was vital to what the Godhead wanted to do back in the book of Acts. And it is very vital to what the king wants done right now. I mean, it, it wasn't something that just happened and God said, well okay, let's, let's go with it. I don't know why they're talking in other tongues, but okay. No, something so important was happening that an equal person of the Godhead came to oversee it. 
Holy Spirit himself came and filled them. Now why? Was it just so that people gathered at the feast at Pentecost could hear the wonderful works of God in their language or was it more? Well, we know that it was far more from the rest of what Scripture says. And I sat in the beginning of this assignment and I said to Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, why tongues? Why? Why'd you do it? What was the Godhead's reasoning behind it? Explain it to me. And what he said to me next shot through me like electricity. He said it's about the dominion mandate in Genesis chapter 1, 26. No declared purpose of God can go unfulfilled. I had never thought about Acts chapter 2 and speaking in other tongues, helping fulfill the dominion mandate. And then he said three words that has forever changed me. He said, it's governing intercession. Those words rang inside of me and I thought, of course it is. How did I miss that? It's governing language. It's spirit government language. And for days I just kept thinking, it's governing language. It's spirit governing uh, government language. It's about the dominion mandate fulfilled by the Holy Spirit and by a functioning ecclesia. In Genesis 1, man made in the image of God was given that mandate to subdue Subdue the earth and have dominion. But we know man messed that up and man fell into sin. So in Acts chapter 2, the Godhead made a decision. Send Holy Spirit to help them do it this time. Send Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of angel armies. Send the other self of Christ to be with them and in them. And he came into that room like a rushing mighty wind. And the very first thing he does is activate the ability to pray in a heavenly language. The very first thing he does is activate spirit language. Now remember, they lost that language at Babel. Heaven's language was taken away at Babel. Up until then, everyone spoke God's spirit language. Everyone spoke his power language, his creative language, his governing language. Father God spoke that spirit language. Jesus, Holy Spirit, and the angels spoke that spirit language. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says the angels speak a spirit language. Now, this spirit language was very unique in that it had a unity of purpose in it that was impregnated with the very life of God. It was a live language. The essence of his being, the essence of his glory was infused into this spirit language and we are told 
that it was nothing's impossible language. So powerful that it spoke a universe into being. So powerful it created our magnificent earth from a mud ball. Well, when Adam and Eve were created, they had to learn how to speak. And it was God that taught them how to speak. And he taught them, of course, his spirit language. A language that was infused with power. A language infused with his life. A language infused with his governing abilities, his governing authority. It was, it was, it was a language that was, that was filled with his creative power. Well, they taught that language to their kids, and then they taught it to their kids, and so on, until you come to the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. Remember, at that point, men at that point had decided that they would build this occultic tower, and uh, they engraved into it the signs of the zodiac, and from it, they were going to worship out into the the atmospheric or astrological heavens, the sun and the moon. And the thinking was, this is going to make us famous. This, this is going to make us wealthy, and we will be the religious center of the entire world. But of course, we know it was going to just promote demon ideology even further. And so God said, we're going to have to go down there, and we're going to have to confuse their language. I suppose there are a dozen different ways he could have stopped this. An asteroid would have done it. An earthquake would have done it. But he specifically said, I've got to confuse their language because he said, if they use my language, they can do it. Because my language is creative. My spirit language is powerful. My spirit language is filled with authority. It's nothing's impossible language. Like, like, like our unity in the Godhead is blended together in a supernatural oneness of purpose. So we have blended a unity of purpose and creative governing authority into our spirit language. Our spirit language doesn't have any particles of negation in it. In other words, it never turns negative. Our spirit language has our breath of life in it. It's an alive language. It's infused with supernatural abilities. And we start to see somehow heaven's spirit language has the life essence of Jesus himself infused into the language. It's a bit of a mystery. Like Father, Son, Holy Spirit being one is a bit of a mystery but Jesus is called in the scriptures the word of God. There's a oneness of Jesus and the word or spirit language. His governing ability is, is breathed into it somehow. I mean, Jesus is government. He's king. He is authority, he is rule, he is power, and his kingdom language is alive with his governing essence and power. His creative ability is in it. Explosive power is in it. Dunamis, it is in it. He and his word are one, and when voiced, it produces after its kind. 
which is what the rest of Genesis 1 is about. It produces after its kind. In other words, it will create what it says. It's spirit alive language. I believe that's, that's what the Apostle John was describing in John chapter 1 and verse 1. It says of Jesus, in the beginning the Word already existed and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The word Word, referring to Jesus, is the Greek word logos. Logos means divine expression of communication divine expression of speech, divine expression of language. It is the Greek word for utterance. Jesus is divine expression. He, his language is divine expression. It is filled with creative governing ability. Jesus was the word that was made flesh. He is identified as the word that was God. His governing authority is infused into spirit language. So God says, we can't let fallen man use, use our language. We've got, to, we've got to stop that or man's iniquity will be engraved even further. He said they'll be able to do it because it's nothing's impossible language. It, it's unity of purpose synergizes power and production. So God confused man's language at Babel. And the language of man remained the natural flesh languages from then on until Acts chapter 2. When God reverses Babel for the born again ones. And he returns to his sons and daughters his spirit language. He returns nothing's impossible language. Holy Spirit comes and he activates to believers. He activates them to be able to pray in the Spirit. And he reactivates the dominion mandate. It's the first thing he does when the first ecclesia is birthed in Acts chapter 2. Oh, it has to be strategic. Nothing else makes sense. And of course, the ecclesia, the church, the heirs must learn to partner with the Holy Spirit and using spirit language. Pray prayers like the early ecclesia prayed who opened door after door after door and turned the world upside down. Please hear this. This blows my mind. My mind's easily blown, but... <laughs> hear this. Jesus was the expression, the communication, the speech, the utterance of it in the beginning. And now we, who are his joint heirs, we are to communicate his word on the planet. We are to communicate creative decrees. We are to decree his purpose. We are to decree his authority. We are to decree his government. As Holy Spirit gives us the utterance with restored spirit language and as Holy Spirit enlightens us to make those decrees of faith in our natural language. It is both. We have learned to make decrees the last 10 years or so 
uh, with our natural language, it's time to take it to another level. And there is a much higher level. I remember when this was made real to me some time ago, several years ago. I was praying for our nation and I couldn't, I couldn't say it right. I just kept, I started to pray and I stopped. Like It's not what I want to say. And so I started to pray some more and then I, I stopped. I thought, that's not really, I, I, I'm not feeling that's not, I can't put, there's something wrong there. I can't get it. And so I just worshiped for a while and then I started to pray for the nation again and I couldn't get it. And I stopped and as clear as I've ever heard Holy Spirit, he said, let me do it. Yeah. A part of this weekend and a part of the life of a functioning ecclesia, there are times when we must let him do it. He knows some things we don't know. He knows resources we don't know. He knows the positioning of angel armies that we don't know. Let him do it. There's an amazing passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. We don't always know, Paul said to the Roman ecclesia, we don't always know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit knows how to make intercession through us. The word ought is necessary, right, or proper. We don't always know what's necessary, right, or proper. But he does. And within that verse is a very unique Greek phrase, and it is sunantai lambanamei, and it simply means to grab hold together with. I believe a part of this holy convocation is to allow Holy Spirit to grab hold together with, but not just this, this unique meeting. But the ecclesias in Indiana, the ecclesia that is in Michigan, the ecclesia in Oklahoma, the ecclesia in, in Texas, the ecclesia in Florida, the ecclesia in every state, the ecclesia in every part of this world is to now rise as a functioning ecclesia and allow Holy Spirit to grab hold of demons and pull them off thrones, to grab hold of things and pull it across the finish line. There comes a point when the ecclesia says, all right, Holy Spirit, it's time to use us. You do it. And so today... Would you stand and let your voice begin to roar as the Holy Spirit begins to rise up through you? Would you yield yourself to him and say, Holy Spirit, wonderful leader, grab hold of this world with us. We partner with you. You know what we don't know. Let him decree through you. Let him pray through you. Let him have a bold voice in you. Let him roar through you.